Our message from God's Word today is from Ezekiel chapter 37, Dry Bones. Kind of an interesting chapter. Actually, we'll just be looking at one section of this chapter tonight. Starting verse 1, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me in the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the midst of the valley, and it was full of dry bones. I mean, if you can imagine an experience like that, right? God picking you up and taking you and putting you in a valley of dry bones. I mean, there's a lot of people today who don't even like going into cemeteries, you know, let alone having all the bones up on top of the ground, not just down below the ground, six or eight feet or whatever they do, right? And so here they are up on the bone, up, just laid out on the ground, and there he is in the midst of it, and it's full of dry bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in an open valley, and indeed they were very dry bones. And so not only is he just taken into the valley and looking out over the valley, God has him walking through the valley, walking among the dead bones, all these dead, these skeletons of dead people. And I guess that's kind of a double statement, right? <laughs> if they're skeletons, they're dead, right? So uh, he's walking around among these dead bones, these dead people, and their bones are very dry, which is interesting for it to be said back then, I mean, bones are, we know a lot more about bones than they did then. And bones are an amazing thing. I mean, you look at a bone and it looks just kind of dry. It looks kind of like, you know, I mean, hard and you can use it to whack things or a hammer or whatever. And, and, uh, and yet they are alive. They're not just a stick. They're not just to hold us up as a structural uh, two by fours in our bodies. They, they, they have life in them. They have blood in them. They have the bone marrow in them. And uh, a lot travels through the bones in healing our bodies and, or diseases in our bodies. And so the bones are an amazing thing, a living bone. But here not only is the bone dead, the people dead, and the bones just scattered on the ground, but they've dried out as well. So the marrow is dried out, the blood is dried out, they're very dry. They are dead, dead, dead bones. Right? They are useless bones. You can't get anything out of them for any use in any way, shape, or form. They are useless for anything. And he said, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, you know. That's a safe answer. That's a good answer, right? Because only God knows all things. Because right? nothing is impossible with the Lord. Looking at it physically, Ezekiel could say, well, those are dead bones, dead bodies, dead and dry. There's nothing going to happen out of it. How's it going to live? They're scattered here. How are they going to live again? But he didn't look by sight, nor did he project onto God God's will and said, oh, I know this is what's going to happen to them. And sometimes we do that. We tell God what to do. We want God to answer our prayers the way we ask them. But God is sovereign. God knows what's best. And so God, you know. You know, if you want to raise them up, you can raise them up. If you don't want to raise them up, they won't be raised up. Lord, you know and only you know. That's why it's good to pray, Lord, your will be done. This is what I think, this is what I'm asking, but I surrender to you. You're sovereign, you're Lord. You know what's best. You've got the best vantage point. You know the end from the beginning. You know the past. You know the future. You know what's best. Lord, may your will. You know. And so that's how he responds. Lord, 
you know whether or not these bones will live or not. And he said, prophesy, this is God now speaking to Ezekiel. God said to Ezekiel, prophesy and say, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So he's telling Ezekiel to preach to the bones, which is again probably an uncomfortable, weird feeling, enough, weird enough to be in a valley filled with dry bones, and then to talk to them, to preach to them. Although sometimes I feel like I'm preaching the dry bones sometimes, you know. <laughs> Head nodding down, you know. <laughs> Pretty soon it's going to become dry. If I, you know, if we don't end the sermon soon enough. So, so dry bones. He says, preach to these dry bones. Now someone, I don't know who, made a song of this verse in this chapter. And so if you want to, you can sing along with it. song, right? So hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinew on you, bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. So that's what God told Ezekiel to preach. That's a good message for us as well. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and bones came together, bone to bone, and the sinew and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So he's looking out over the bones, and he begins to preach. 
tells the bones to come together, hear the word of the Lord, and they come together. And not only bones coming together, but muscles starting to grow on it, and tendons, and, and it's coming all together, the whole thing, nerves and flesh on top. But he's still just laying there with no breath. Now, sometimes we're like the dry bones. When we're without the Lord, we are nothing but dry bones. Very dry bones. We can do nothing for the Lord. We can do no good except by the Lord. All that we do is nothing but filthy rags and just dry bones. Empty, hollow shells. Selfish and greedy and just emptiness. Sometimes people tell us, you're worthless. You're never going to be anything. You're nothing but a dry bone. Nothing's ever going to come of you. You're never going to get victorious. You can't overcome this and you can't overcome that. Just give up trying. We're just left in the valley. But God tells, preach. These bones will come together and they will live. And so they start coming together and the flesh comes on them. But they're still just dead corpse. Without the breath of the Lord. And there are sometimes people come to the Lord. But don't receive the breath of the Lord. Now, the word there for breath is ruach, which also is interpreted as spirit, also interpreted as wind. In this chapter, we have in English all three of those words used. In all times, it's ruach or a version of ruach that's used. Without the spirit of the Lord, without the breath of the Lord, there's no life. It's still just dead, in some ways worse, because it looks like it's alive. Looks like it should be moving around. Looks like it should have some action going on. And there are multitudes in this world that are nothing but dry bones. But there are also multitudes in this world that have flesh on them, a, a profession of religion, but denying the power thereof. The power is in the Lord. We need the Spirit of the Lord to awaken us and to bring forth fruit. Not just covered with religiosity, not just covered with works, not just all the things to do and all the things not to do, but we need the Spirit of the Lord to really give us life and life more abundantly. The religious walk without the Spirit of the Lord is drudgery. It's misery. It's probably worse than being a dry bone. It's like lukewarm, worthless. There's no joy. It's all just works. It's all just burdensome. Trying to do what our natural nature tells us not to do. When we're without the Lord, just doing whatever feels good, whatever our propensities want us to do, whatever our passions want to do, whatever our desires are, not resisting our carnal flesh, it's a lot easier, it's a lot smoother. 
here in this life. And the judgment will pay for it. And in this life, there's always a consequence that comes along from living worldly and sinful. But as far as our nature, it goes a lot easier with our nature. It's a lot easier just to get angry when we're feeling angry than to resist that. But when we put on some flesh, when we put on a form of godliness, then we're going against our natural natures that we're born with. And we try and be nice, and we try and be good, and we try and do what's right, and we try and not do the things we, we shouldn't do. And we're working against the flesh. And that's a hard battle. It's a miserable battle. And it's a non-winning battle. We cannot win that way. And so we're constantly trying and constantly losing. Constantly trying to get better. Constantly trying to do what's right. And never attaining fully. And even the so-called victories that we have, we're not happy in them. And we're condemning others and, and putting down others and we get lifted up because we think we have some, reached some level of attainment, of spirituality. And we really haven't. It's just been self-works. So we end up condemning others, looking down on others, criticizing others, and fault-finding gossiping. And again, that's worse. Having this form of godliness looking like a live body, but not really being alive. And so then verse 9, he said, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, the Lord God says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so, so for the preacher, too. There's a lot of preaching that goes on without the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, might have a lot of wisdom, might have a lot of knowledge, might have done a lot of research, might have all the words right, might even have correct doctrine, but without the Spirit of the Lord, it doesn't revive the heart, it doesn't awaken in the soul a need. Oh, it might tingle our ears, it might make us feel good, but it doesn't transform the heart. It doesn't change the soul. It doesn't awaken in us a new life, a new birth, a recreation. We need the Spirit of the Lord. I, as I preach, I need the Spirit of the Lord. We each need to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Because without the Lord, we can do nothing. Nothing. But with him and by him, we can do all things. It's an amazing dichotomy. It's a very thin line. Everything changes with the power of the Lord, with the breath of the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. God doesn't want us to just gather together as dead bodies. He doesn't want us just strewn out in the valley as dead bones without the Lord 
or as bodies with a profession of the Lord. Nor does he want us just to be alive. He wants us to be alive and be an army of the Lord. Not with swords and shields that kill and cut and destroy, but with the sword of the Lord, of his word, and the shield of the Spirit, and the helmet of salvation, and the shoes of the gospel, and going forth and conquering the devil, the enemy, and redeeming from him those that he has that are captured. Redeeming those that he has taken from the Lord. Setting free those who are in bondage. Setting free those that are imprisoned as dry bones. And preaching the Lord, word of the Lord with God's spirit, with God's breath, with God's love, with God's truth. When we have the spirit of the Lord, we have a burden for lost. We have God's mind, we have God's heart, and God cares about the lost. Messiah left heaven and came here. Not for pleasure, not for communion, not for fellowship, not for food, not for music. Came here to seek and to save that which was lost. And when we have God's spirit, that's what we will become an army for the Lord, going forth and winning battles against Satan, winning battles over the flesh, winning battles over our carnal nature, winning battles over our selfish inclinations, and winning battles against the devil in redeeming those that are captive to him. Going from victory to victory in the Lord's army, charging forth, an army doesn't just sit around and talk to each other. An army doesn't just sit around and gather together, study together. That's called boot camp. But then after boot camp, they leave boot camp and they go out to war to defend and to win and to gain territory and to defeat the enemy. Too many of God's people are just bodies with flesh but no breath. When we have God's breath, we have God's heart, God's concern for others and going forth. Rabbi Saul had a wonderful knowledge of the Word of God and taught it and defended it and persecuted those who believed in the Messiah. He had flesh, but he didn't have the Spirit of the Lord. But when he was transformed and changed, it made all the difference. He was doing all the religious things. Oh, he was keeping Shabbat. Oh, he was eating the right foods. Oh, he was doing all the right things. He was returning faithfully back to the Lord. He was in the right place at the right time, but he was just flesh with no spirit. He was fighting Satan's army. But then when he was converted, he went forth as a soldier for the Lord, winning victories. And in one place he met some people 
And he asked them if they had been immersed, and they said yes. And he asked them if they knew this, had the Spirit of the Lord, and they said, what's, what's the Spirit of the Lord? We never heard of that. He said, well, what, who immersed you? And they said, we were immersed by John. Yachohan, the immerser in the Jordan. And so they had been coming, they came from maybe a pilgrim feast, they heard John preach, they believed in the word of the Lord, they wanted a conversion experience to be transformed in heart and mind, have the sins removed and washed clean. But then I guess they didn't come back and hear the rest of the story. They didn't hear about Yeshua. They didn't hear about his sacrifice. They didn't hear about his death. They didn't hear about his resurrection. They didn't hear about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And they said, we never heard of it. And so he taught them about it and they prayed and they received the Holy Spirit and were immersed again. God's Spirit is there. The gifts of the Spirit are there so that we can go forth and witness to others. God's Spirit gives us power to win others for the Lord. It's for service in the Lord. It's for service in the Lord's army. It's not for making us feel good. There are some groups that say, if you have the Spirit of the Lord, you'll, you'll laugh like a child. Or you'll cry. Or you'll bark. And there are lots of different things out there. Spirit of the Lord is for witnessing. Spirit of the Lord is for victory. Sin of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord is for overcoming sins and fighting against the devil. All the gifts of the Spirit are for evangelism, are for sharing God's word with others. Not for feelings, not for self. Just the opposite of self it becomes unselfish become alive and going forth with the army in the spirit of the Lord. It makes all the difference. Verse 11, and he said, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. There's four different fulfillments in this chapter. One, we're looking at the spiritual aspect of how us, how God changes us from dry bones to living army for him, live army for him. But first fulfillment, one fulfillment is in when Ezekiel was preaching, we were in Babylon. As dry bones out there, scattered, destroyed, Jerusalem destroyed, the city destroyed, the nation destroyed, and God is prophesying, you're going to live again and be an army again. And we did, we came back under Ezra and Nehemiah, rebuilt the city, rebuilt the temple, rebuilt the nation. And many years later, hundreds of years later, 70 AD, we're taken, city destroyed, temple destroyed again. 135 even more, and we're in dispersion. We've dispersed for almost 2,000 years. And during that time, the Holocaust takes place. Many other persecutions all along the way. But the Holocaust, in particular, were two-thirds of all of European Jews killed. Half of all Jews in the world killed in just a few years. And if it wasn't stopped, it wouldn't be long before all would be dead. And we were bones. Mass graves of bones 
When we filled them up too much, they created crematoriums, turn us not just to bones, but to ash. Dry, very dry, dead. And it might be easy to say, is there a God? Will these bones live? Will there be life again? Lord, you know. And miraculously, God brought us out of Babylon and brought us back into the land. And miraculously, God got us through even the Holocaust, got us through all the Crusades, got us through the persecution, got us through the pogroms, and brought us back into the land. It's miraculous. It's unheard of. People grew dispersed without a country for so long and scattered and under such persecution to survive. It's miraculous. It's unheard of. Even more miraculous is that God can take us in our dry bone state and change our hearts from being just selfish. And even when we're in our fleshly state, in religious state, it's still selfish. Well, maybe we're fearing hell. Maybe we're desiring heaven. It's still for selfish reasons. But to change us from dry enmity against God, hatred of God, resistant to God, enemies of God, and change us to servants of God, an army of God, that's even more miraculous. As miraculous as close to 2,000 years later, God restoring us to the country. As miraculous as delivering us and seeing us through the Holocaust. Miraculous as bringing us together is the miracle that God does in all those who cry and call out upon the name of the Lord. Prophesy, thus says the Lord God, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come forth from the graves and bring you into the land. And God has done that. God has accomplished it by his mighty hand, by his mighty outstretched arm. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. And that includes in each one of our lives. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're struggling with, whatever doubts, whatever discouragements, whatever the circumstance looks like, maybe you're attacked on every side, it seems. Maybe you're locked up in some concentration camp, it seems. Maybe penned in on every side and no way out. Maybe the devil's threatenings of you. No hope and just despair and accusations. Maybe Satan's been whispering into your ears, you'll never be anything. Can any good come from you, from that town you were born in, from your family, from your ancestry, from your upbringing? There's no hope in that situation you're in. There's no way out of your situation. It's just going to get worse. Or maybe you've come a little ways, but you know, there's certain things in your life you're never going to gain victory over. It's just that's how it's going to be. You're just going to have to struggle with that for the rest of your life. Just give up trying. You've confessed it enough times. There's no hope. 
Those are all lies from the devil. Because the Lord is able to bring breath into his people and make us alive and his children, his servants, and give us victory over all things. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible for the Lord in our lives, internally and externally. He's able to rule over kingdoms. He's able to rule over nations. He's able to rule over our lives and give us self-control. Give us the fruits of the Spirit as well as the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 13, And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And the fourth fulfillment in this chapter is on the last day. When the dry bones that are laying in the graves all around, from Adam and Eve until our day, when the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the shofar of God, and say, Arise, my people, come forth, my people, and the dead and Messiah will rise first. The best place to be when the Lord is coming, when you hear the trumpet sound, when you see him coming on the clouds with all his angels, run and find a cemetery. That's where you want to be when he comes again, because they're going to come up out of the graves like popcorn bursting the ground. And the dead and Messiah will come up first, and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall ever be with the Lord. So the final fulfillment of this chapter is the dry bones that have been scattered in this earth that have known the Lord, who died in the Lord, who confessed their sins and received his forgiveness, who allowed self to be crucified and killed in him, have accepted his death in place of their life, and surrendered all, given over the sins to him, let them be buried in the tomb with him, and have received his life in this life. Though they die, they will live. For a great wake-up day is coming when the Lord will awaken his saints and call us forth. Just as he raised Lazarus from the grave, Lazarus, come forth, he will say, come forth. Maybe each one by name. And our dead loved ones who died in the Lord will come back. And we will see them again. And we will see the Lord face to face. And our bodies will be transformed. If our heart and our spirit has already been transformed, then our bodies will be transformed. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And we will live and dwell with him. He'll take us to the new heavens where he's preparing mansions for us into the new Jerusalem and bring us before his throne. And as miraculous as that is, it will come to pass. And we know it will come to pass because he's already brought us out of Babylon and brought us back into the land. 
He's already brought us back out of dispersion and brought us back into the land. He's already brought us back from the dead. Dead in trespass and sin. And made us alive now today in him. And because he has already done those three things, we know for certain he will do the fourth as well and raise the dead at his coming and bring us together with them into the clouds with him. So we can look forward to that day because he has promised and he will fulfill. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Not a land like today that experiences floods and famines and troubles, but the eternal promised land, the new heavens, the new earth, the Garden of Eden made new, wherein will dwell righteousness forever. There's another movie I want to show. Very moving. Put the music. Goes through this chapter again with a beautiful song.
In a moment, as we pray, if you've been feeling dry in your life, in your situation right now, maybe you're feeling kind of hopeless, maybe it doesn't seem like an end, a solution, a way out for you, maybe you've been put down, maybe you've been crushed, maybe you've been told there's no hope, maybe by a parent or a teacher, or a spouse, you've been told you're worthless, you want to surrender that to the Lord and accept his promise. He will make you alive in him. That he loves you with an everlasting love. That he has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. And he can turn your dryness, he 
can turn your emptiness. You can turn your despair into a living army for him. The moment we pray, you can let God do that. Secondly, if you've had a form of godliness, you've been doing the religiosity, but not experiencing the joy of the Lord in it. Following God seems like a burden. Maybe just one aspect seems like a burden. Maybe there's some area you know that you should be doing and your carnal nature is resisting. Or some area you know you shouldn't be doing. And maybe you've been trying and trying real hard. And you want to stop trying and let God, let his spirit come upon you, make you alive in that area of your life. Stop trying to resist in the flesh, but to be victorious in the spirit. Thirdly, maybe you've never accepted the Lord into your life. Maybe you've never accepted his forgiveness. In a moment when we pray, you can accept his sacrifice in your behalf, accept his forgiveness for his cleansing of, his, of your sins. Or fourth, maybe you've received him, maybe you've accepted him, maybe you've known about him, but you've never been baptized with the Spirit of the Lord. You don't have a burden for others. You don't have a concern for others. The only thing that seems to matter is the do's and the don'ts and heaven resisting hell. But not the joy of the Lord, not the peace, not his presence, not rejoicing. Paul wrote, rejoice in the Lord always when he was in a dungeon. That's the difference. Prior to that, again, he was very religious, looked very religious outwardly, looked like a live body. When he had the Spirit of the Lord, they could throw him in prison, take everything away from him, and sentence him to death. And he still said, rejoice in the Lord always. If you're not rejoicing in the Lord, focusing on the problems, way down, looking at the dryness around you, you want to look up and receive the Spirit of the Lord. And when we pray, say, God, fill me with your Spirit. Baptize me with your Spirit. Him. First comes the, allowing God to cleanse us and take the sins out. And make us alive, put flesh on us first, and then give us his spirit. If we just have the spirit and don't have the flesh, we're nothing but rattling bones. <laughs> we need the flesh, we need the life, we need the arteries, we need the veins, and then we need the spirit of the Lord. And maybe you've been part of God's family, but not a part of his army. Not going forth, gaining victories, and winning souls for his kingdom. You want him to clothe you in his armor, to set you forth in his army, and our army works together. There's no army with one soldier. Army has a commander, the Lord God Almighty and others together in the army. The ar army is a plural word, an army of the Lord, together with him. If you're not part of God's army, you want to be a part of God's army, part of God's family, 
and going forth unitedly together and winning souls for his kingdom. In a moment when we pray, ask God to make his life come into you, to clothe you in his uniform, in his righteousness, in his power, and in his might. So if only those areas apply to you tonight, or maybe some other area that God's speaking to your heart and mind about. Let's let God do his resurrection in us, now and in the future. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we're thankful that you were willing to leave heaven for us. Thank you, willing, that you were willing to die for us. And thank you that you were resurrected again. And Lord, we want to be dead in you and we want to be resurrected in you. We want you to take these dry bones. We want you to take our worthless lives and make them precious in your sight. For you to transform us and change us. Remove the angers and the bitterness and the worries and the fears. Give us faith and trust, rejoicing and joy and love. Fill us with your spirit, with your gifts and with your talents, and with your fruits, and live in us and through us and use us unitedly together, winning souls for your kingdom. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.